Sasuke goes for it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think you scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back with the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League, Bundesliga, and Champions League. We've got a host of transfer topics for you today, but with me, as always, a man who is about as who is about as exciting as Fabrizio Romano on transfer deadline day. It's Billy. Oh, thank you. That's I love that uh, comparison. Oh, He's a great. You're very welcome. But like Lewis said. We're going to be unpacking the biggest and best deals from the January transfer window. So without further ado, let's get to it. Do you want to go by Fabrizio Romano's top five transfers and unpack that list a little bit? Oh, okay. Well, we'll unpack that one first because there's some, some interesting ones on there and some that I don't really think I'd agree I'd put with. On there. Yeah, especially the last two, but we'll, we'll, we'll start with... Okay, we'll, we'll go from five down to one. So, Robin, yeah, why not? Why not? Robin Gosens to Inter Milan on loan from Atalanta. I'm not going to lie. I, I think he, he warrants a top five. But that's only because, you know, he's... I, I'd say he definitely does some good for Inter Milan. Not going to lie. Because he, look, here's the thing, right? He's a very good wing back. And, you know, Inter Milan, especially since, uh, you know, Hakimi getting transferred out, they're dying for something like that. And he can play both left back and he can play left midfield. He's, he's sort of an all-rounder when it comes to the left side. And, you know, if you want to remember his goal against uh, Portugal in the Euros. Just a little just a little bit of info. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, they, in their last game before the break, they played Ivan Perisic at left, sort of left mid slash left wing back. Yeah, and he's, he's, an, he's an attacker. Like he, he's not someone who you, who's known for his defensive uh, prowess, if you will. Whereas you look at Gozins and it's because their, their other wing back is Matteo Darmian, who I'd rate Gozins higher. You rate him higher, but like Darmian is more of a defensive wing back. Well, I'd say he's a, more of a left back than he is a wing back, isn't he? Yeah, well, when United signed him from Torino, I think he'd only just recently been converted back to right back. He was a, he was a right winger at Torino. Oh, wow. But because he was one of the players linked with Newcastle, wasn't he? Yeah, but, you know, so many people linked with Newcastle. I mean, to be fair, me and you were probably linked with Newcastle. So I was about to say that (laughs) it doesn't take much to be linked with Newcastle at the end of the day. I think it's probably a good sign in for Inter Milan. Yeah, probably. injured. Yeah, I mean, he is injured, but still, I'd still yeah. think an obligation to buy if certain conditions are met. So, what, what's that? Appearances? No, put th- these are going to be the best uh, conditions you'll have ever heard. It will go down as one of the most unbelievable clauses in a contract ever. The obligation to buy 
becomes or start, takes hold the minute Inter Milan in general score a goal in the 2022-23 Serie A campaign. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So how long is he on loan for? 18 months. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Like, because that was me thinking he was only on loan for six. Okay. No, 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 no. So, the, like, literally, that's, that's, that's really the... weird. It's 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 basically so that Inter Milan don't have to pay the fee right away, which leaves them with a certain amount of money to pay to be able to do other transfers in the winter. I mean, in the summer um, of twenty twenty two. So basically. It's almost as if they've freed up cap space, if you will, to have uh, to be able to make other transfers a reality. I'm not quite sure if that also has something to do with FIFA financial fair play. Um, that's just conjecture that they basically want to keep financial fair play, you know, all solid so that uh, they can still make other transfers. But I think the main reason is that for them themselves, that they have the money to be able to make other transfers happen. Right, okay. I, I get you. He's still yeah. a weird one, though. He's not... It's because he's... I'd say he's a little bit underrated, but he's also not that well-known because, you know, he was part of that Atalanta team who have had such success in the Champions League and in the last couple of seasons and in the Serie A, by and large, as well. So I don't think a lot of people are really clocking that he was an integral part of the Atalanta team. And, you know, if we're being honest, that's what also got on the Germany nomination. So, yeah, I, I, don't I just watch... say he's underrated and he's not on a lot of people's on a, on a lot of people's radars. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of Italian football. I've only Atalanta were in United's group this season for the Champions League. But he was injured. Yeah, yeah. So even then didn't get to see him play. In play, play in that team, but that team in general. It's massively underrated. I think West Ham tried to sign Zapata on deadline day. But it was one of those, like, with 10 minutes to go, can we just get something quick or something? Jesus. So, number four. To go. <laughs> number four on Fab's list. See, this is the one that... If I, if I say it's, oh, yeah, it's definitely a top five, people are going to go, yeah, but you're looking at it with United goggles on. But he's put Donny van der Beek's loan to Everton in his top five. Okay, do you know why I think that's a top five? Is not because, you know, of looking through, I'd say it's secondary United goggles because I'm influenced by you. So then I also get other United news, if that makes any sense. <laughs> secondhand smoke. Exactly, there you go. I'd say it's just a good move because one... Van der Beek will finally play. Main deal. He'll walk into that starting 11 at Everton. Sorry. just Everton's squad is just, as a whole, not good enough to be able to sit a Donny van der Beek on the bench. And I mean, if we're being completely honest, then you wouldn't sit or you wouldn't go out on loan just to sit on the bench somewhere else. If you're a Donny van der Beek, yeah, no, there's there's clearly been like promises over 
game time. So otherwise, I don't think United would have let him go. No, it's just a question of where he goes in because Everton usually play a 4-4-2, don't they? Well, this is the thing as well. They've also signed Delhi. They've got Takure and Gomez in the middle. Yeah, and they've well, new manager as well. So hopefully you'd think uh, okay, they, so there might play. be something changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they signed Delhi Ali as well. And you could argue they both play the same position. So is Donny gonna get stuck playing in a in a six where well, it's a question of if they actually do make room to play a 10 as well so that Deli Ali can actually get in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it could also be that they basically say, do you know what? We'll have Dukure on the six by himself and play Fandebeek and Deli Ali on like a sort of like a raised number eight, if that makes sense. Because I'd say number eight is just a central midfielder solidly but you know if you play a 4141 you by and large have two center attacking mids if that makes sense yeah no I, I get that and I've just had a look at Frank Lampard's uh one of his last teams at Chelsea he's got Jorginho as that defensive mid and he's got Kovacic and yeah exactly yeah so there's two there's two eights and one six it's similar to what United play now but Fred's not you know, he's not getting in over Fred. And I hope he does play because there's clearly a very talented player there. Yeah. And it's the only question if if Lampard can find the stomach to drop either Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin. See, again, that's a difficult one because... Oh, I would not want to be in his shoes having to figure out who of those two to drop because they both, at the end of the day, I think deserve to be in there. Unless you go to a 3-5-2, in which case you're going to have to figure out if you can play with a back three. Which I don't... Maybe. I don't know. Everton a weird one because they're massively underperforming at the moment. And Yeah, but would you say that Damari Gray could play a wing back? Oh, uh, probably not, no. Exactly. And yeah. Andros Townsend? Mm. I don't think he's got the legs on him anymore to do that kind of job. No, I would have said Seamus Coleman and Luca Dean would have been perfect, but you know we all know how that one worked out. Oh yeah, you sell the player; it doesn't get along with the manager, and then sack the manager like four days later. Oof. Number three, and it was a weird one because oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Leon in a sec because they did this exactly the same thing before. But Bruno Guimaraes from Leon to Newcastle. And he wasn't supposed to even end up at, New at Newcastle, was he? He was supposed to end up at Spurs, no? Or was Spurs, it Arsenal? Arsenal? One of the two North London clubs. Because both North London clubs had shocking, shocking transfer windows. They were in for all sorts of players. Like Spurs were in for Adam Matriare. And, you know, he ends up going to Barca and then missing out. And then Arsenal finally get rid of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But then... They missed out on a couple as well. Was, but yeah, I think Gimaraish was supposed to go to one of the two North London clubs and then he ends up going to Newcastle. Arguably, he's not done himself any favors. He's probably done Newcastle a massive favor, but I don't know if he's done himself any. Again, it's a really difficult one because they're so... I mean, Newcastle was shit. 
<laughs> exactly. Like not to <laughs> not to sugarcoat it or anything, but he, you know he is. He's a, he's a he's a proper defensive midfielder, which I don't think Newcastle have. Uh, that just like I mean, that's what I mean. You know, they definitely, definitely Newcastle have done themselves a favor by getting him. But Gimaraj playing at Newcastle, I don't know how much good that's going to do his career. There has to be clause. There has to be a clause in his contract, similar to Kieran Trippier's one. Where if they get relegated, he's allowed to just go. I think that's the clause with every single transfer that Newcastle are getting in right now. Because the players, like the caliber of players are getting in. None of them are playing championship. That's not happening. At this point, they might as well go in for Gareth Bale. Stranger things have happened. I was about to say, he might that might actually be like the perfect transfer, wouldn't it? He's got no pressure. I, I don't see. Look, this makes no sense. So I've just seen something potentially as good as Kevin De Bruyne, South American view on Newcastle's Bruno Guimaraes. He's a what? completely different player. Kevin De Bruyne is not a center defensive midfielder. So, I mean, I wouldn't put put it past De Bruyne to play that position, but still. No, but you know, when you think of De Bruyne, you think of you know attacking. Flair. Exactly. Goals. And I, I don't want to turn this into so I'm just going to knock Newcastle for signing a, a you know a marquee player in January, but he struggles to get into the Brazil side over Lucas Pacueta, who also plays for Leon, and Fred. Because obviously he's not he's not getting the defensive midfield position over Casimiro. Well, no. <laughs> he's he's Brazil's best central defensive midfielder, period. But by all means, like he could come really, he could come good, and he, he could completely change the way Newcastle play. Yeah, yeah. Because they also got Matt Target on loan. <sighs> Great, like a bang average left back from Aston Villa, which is I mean, what we said when they signed Luca Dean. You know, he's not fantastic, but he's an upgrade on what they have. Yeah, I mean, put it this way: I think Newcastle right now just need to figure out how to get a squad together that will stay in the Premier League, and then next summer they can go ham with whatever because they have the promise. Because right now, trying to get in any player who is better than bang average slash mediocre is not going to happen for Premier League standards anyway, because they can't make a definitive promise on if they're going to be in the Premier League next year. So their transfer window right now for the fact that they can't make that promise is going pretty damn well. Mm, well, I really hope they go down. <laughs> Would just be funny, wouldn't it? I mean, that's not news though, is it? That I want them to go down. It really isn't. Well, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find their next game. I think Aston Villa on the 13th <laughs> of Feb. Stevie G. Could pull out a masterclass, put Newcastle right in their place. You know, they've had a really good window as well. While we're, oh, yeah. while we're talking about transfers, they've had a really good window. So oh, yeah. New, Newcastle are 18th, so third from bottom. Oof. One point above Watford, three points above Burnley, but they've played one game more than Burnley. No, one That's game more than Watford problem. and three games more than Burnley. That's a massive problem. So it's still not great, is it? 
really isn't. So a number two on the list, and I would have pegged him at number one, Dusan Vlahovic from Fiorentina to Juventus. And he cost them a solid 70 million euros. Well, what I'd would you argue, say? Number one? I, I don't know because I'd argue he's worth that, even with 18 months left on his contract. Well, I think the re- that's the reason that they start to spend such an extortionate amount. Because I, And if we're being honest, it's good for Fiorentina because this, this transfer window and this, next su- and this coming summer were basically the last points where they could get money for him. Yeah, and their president is, uh, let's say, not happy. Nah, he really isn't. He's not happy with the way Vlahovic left. <laughs> the, the Vlahovic deal was full of dishonesty and liars. We opened talks with English clubs, Tottenham and Arsenal, Every time a new offer came up, Vlahovic and his agent said no. Their plan was the same as Mbappe with PSG, leave as a free agent and make money. I mean... So in all honesty, what they wanted to do was they wanted to sit out this transfer window and summer 2022 and wait until the winter transfer period of 2023 to sign a a pre-deal, basically which gives him a contract at Juve from the 1st of July, 2023 onwards. And he could have left Fiorentina for nothing. I, I mean, I, I get that it's, it can be frustrating because, you know, he's a player that's basically been made by Fiorentina. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. But how often does a player leave a club like Fiorentina for 75 million euros? Okay, sorry, we're going to have to redact the 75 million because according to Transfermarkt, it was 81.6 million euros. His market value was 70, but his, uh, but his actual fee was 81.6, which is pretty unreal because Fiorentina, do you want to know how much they signed him for? <laughs> is it going to be like is it going to be like hundreds of thousands or something like that? Close, 1.95 million. Oh, come on. You can't be... From Partizan, Belgrade. You have to realize that... They just made... Fiorentina just made fucking 80 mil. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, they're pissed off about him leaving, but they must... Like, the accounting department at Fiorentina must be rubbing their hands because they're like, woohoo! They're they're cracking open the the champagne bottles as we speak. I... I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, hate on Fiorentina, but you have to realize that they're not as good as Juve. No, they're not. Which is why I don't get why he, why, why their president is so unbelievably pissed by the way they they were negotiating. Because at the end of the day, he still got them eighty million plus. So I don't get why he's going out into the media and saying, you know, he, it was shit the way he left. Like. I'm sorry, you just, the guy just got you 80 million and he could have left for free if he had gone through with the original plan, but he didn't. So in the, in reality, the president is just mad about a possible scenario that could have been all the while 80 million are sitting or getting transferred right into his account. So I don't get what the hell the problem is. Mm, Okay. Uh, I, I have a slight theory about this. 
Uh-huh. So I want to take you back to 1990, seven years before we were born, which still makes yeah. me sound like a child, but I'm so old. Baggio was sold from Fiorentina to Juve for 8 million, which at the time was like world record stuff. Massive, yeah. And the fact that they're massive rivals and there were riots in the street after he signed. And ultras in Italy don't strike me as people with short memories. <laughs> Especially given what Baggio then went on to win, you know, including the Ballon d'Or, undeservedly, just saying. Ooh, Ooh he cuts alongside Pavel Nedved in undeserved Ballon d'Ors. Because Thierry won it instead of Pavel Ooh. Nedved. Damn. I, won't, I won't go into that. So it's one of those things. It's we have this fantastic player, and we're now just selling him to Juve again. I, I can understand it's how Dortmund fans must feel every time a player goes to buy it. Yeah, but if at the end of the day, if you want to stay in Italy and you want to go to the biggest club there with the biggest chance of winning something year in, year out, you go to Juve. It used to be AC Milan. Or Inter, for that matter. But now, if you want to get to the top club in Italy, it's Juve. They got the biggest market. They get the biggest marketability. They've got the biggest chance of winning titles. They got the biggest chance of getting far in international competition. Thus, as a player, you're going to be on the world stage in the biggest possible form if you're playing for an Italian club. That's the reason why. Same reason why people go to Bayern, which is because if you want to get to the top of football in Germany and have a guarantee that you're going to be vying for a Champions League title every year, you go to Bayern. Dortmund, when was the last time they got made it anywhere close to a Champions League final? 2013. That was because they had one of the best managers of all time. And they still lost. So, exactly. Yeah, okay, I get that. And the... The record, you know, his goals, every time you look at a score line from Fiorentina, he just seems to be on. He, he just, beating Ronaldo's record for Serie A goals in a calendar year. That's insane. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Nope. So, on to number one, and then we'll look at, a couple of oh, just people... just one more just one more thing to, on the Vlahovic transfer. I'm reading right now on trans, uh, Transfermarkt. There is a base, so so it's basically a base transfer fee of 70 million euros that mm-hmm. go directly to Fiorentina, and then a further 11.6 million as a solidarity contribution. Whatever the hell that means, and the transfer fee can go up by a up to 10 million depending on clauses that are related to uh, Juve's winning of titles and I think Vlahovic's individual uh, records as well, but that isn't specified. It only just says basically anything, any, any success, it's basically a success-oriented clause. The further 10 million, but what are 11.6 million in solidarity contributions? Is that like a loyalty bonus? I have like no he, idea. Like he has to stay at Juve for the duration of this contract. Without looking at the contract, I couldn't tell you. It just says solidarity contribution of 11.6 yeah. million. Sure. That sounds like a loyalty bonus. 
Sounds like it. So I can't uh, remember. Someone... Either it's that, or we're just going to look like two idiots who have no clue what the hell is going on. Probably. That normally happens. Yeah. Well, well, we'll look at the number one transfer before we look at a couple that yes. people have, have asked us about. Yes. Luis Diaz from Porto to Liverpool. Now, this one was this one was a weird one. Kind of came out of nowhere, no? It came out where well, they wanted him in the summer. Okay, well, then it's not that much out of nowhere. But... I'm not going to lie. I just didn't have him on my radar. Yeah, but it was one of those ones. It was, oh, yeah, they're interested, but it's not really going to happen. And then this season, he's just exploded. Well, he's 14 goals and five assists in 18 appearances in the league. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. He's going to make make some competition for Mane and Salah and Diogo Jota come to that. Because all three of the, all of them can play at any one of the front three positions, if they want to. And it will probably take him a little bit of time to adapt. I say probably that, but like backup, yeah. You know, uh, Bruno Fernandes came from Portugal and immediately hit the ground running. Yeah, you never know. But it, it was weird because Tottenham were in for him. <laughs> Tottenham were. <laughs> You know, they they sent people out. They were talking to representatives, and then Liverpool were like, mm, "Oh, nah, we're having him." And that's the thing; they both offered the same thing to Porto, but it just come down to what the player wanted, which again is a a big knock to Spurs, especially Daniel Levy. When someone tells him, "No, you're not as good as you think you are," I'm sorry, but Daniel Levy is going to get that treatment all day long because Daniel Levy just continuously thinks Spurs are better than they really are. 14 and a half million. Pounds. I just appreciate the fact that that in July of 2021, Diaz was had a market value of 25 million and now he's at 40. Well, that, that's the and thing. He if went they for 45. Him in the summer, it would have been a hell of a lot cheaper. But the fact that this season he's been, you know, the best player in Portugal. He is, he is right now, according to Tons Vemark, he is the highest. Or he's the most valuable Colombian player on the planet right now. I mean, can, can you name any? Off the top of my head, Rafael Santos Bore, but he's not moving anywhere. Yeah, fair enough. And he's 13th currently in a list of the most valuable left midfielders slash left forwards. I see. I can see. Uh, and, and he's as old as we are. That's just depressing. Yeah. I, I saw that and I didn't want to mention it. Mm, sorry about that. Yet with a market value of 40 or with a transfer fee of 45 million, he's not, he is only the ninth most valuable player for Liverpool. Yeah, but I can see, you know, sometimes you'll sign a player that's not, in relative terms to transfer fees, that's not a lot. Like 14 and a half million pounds or 45 million euros. You say it? that, but 40 and a half million is massive still. Yeah, but you look at what you know. United spent on Jaden Sancho, or City spent on Jack Grealish, players who this season haven't had as big an impact than Luis Diaz has for Porto. Granted, Liverpool in the Premier League is different. Yeah, but I genuinely think he'll do really well for Liverpool, and that's actually well. Reason being that Liverpool, reason being that Liverpool are missing their main two wingers due to the African Cup of Nations. 
or AFCON. Sorry, yeah. That's the thing because Egypt and Senegal are Senegal. still in it, aren't they? Yeah. Imagine if we get an Egypt Senegal final. They'll be out for the full like two. Oh, that'd be. Oh, that'd be. I mean, every Liverpool rival would be loving it. But then again, they did just buy Luis Diaz. So, I mean, they've got an FA Cup game. They've got an FA Cup. They they must have an FA Cup game this weekend. I believe it's on Sunday. Yeah, they've got Cardiff at home on Sunday. So that could potentially be a game. Okay, but Cardiff, come on. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, it could potentially be a debut for Diaz. And it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not the most difficult of, you know, it's not like he's going in against Man City at the Etihad. Yeah, yeah. Also, can we just appreciate the fact that both Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah are in 29? I did not think that they were that old. I thought they were like 27, 28. Well, maybe this is Liverpool planning a little bit for the future because they also tried to sign Carvalho from Fulham. But mm, yeah, because yeah. the EFL's paperwork system is apparently a nightmare. <laughs> it didn't go through, but let's be honest, they agreed a deal. They had the personal, like everything was done. It was just the paperwork. So they'll just go and do the same thing in the summer. Speaking Unless... of transfers that are also last minute, because uh, just when you say paperwork, I think of all the transfers that you know didn't make it through because of paperwork. Apparently, Barcelona managed to sign Aubameyang with two minutes left on the trans of the transfer window, according to their president. We don't know if he's just exaggerating that just to make another bit of clickbait, but I mean it's probably clickbait because it didn't really make much difference because Arsenal terminated his contract. So he technically joined for free. <laughs> and they've Which had, is the only reason probably Barcelona could even afford him because they have no money. They've they've had the audacity to put an 83.4 million pound release clause in it. <laughs> Which if that if that mean, isn't wishful not worth thinking, half that. You know, if that isn't wishful thinking, I don't know what is. <laughs> the best part is he's 32, which means he's on the back end of his career anyway. He's been on the back end of his career for a couple of years now, let's be honest. I was about he's... to say, playing ability. Mm. But even that was a batshit transfer, like Saga, because I don't know, <laughs> you might know this, and people listening who watch deadline day it's like a spectacle in england i don't know what it's like in germany in germany they do all the all the tv hosts have yellow ties and there's a massive it's the same massive deadline day graphic the yellow and black one that they have on sky sports uh uk as well but you know it is we used to be a country of culture you know they used to have reporters at grounds with fans until one reporter got hit in the face with a purple sex toy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is still one of my favorite videos in the world because <laughs> he's just waving it behind him he turns around and it smacks him in the eye it's fantastic that <laughs> is football heritage and what passes for football heritage in england baffles me it's fantastic you've never experienced deadline day until one of your reporters has been hit in the eye with <laughs> with a silicone sex aid <laughs> But we also had, you You must have heard this. You must have heard us talk about this. Yeah. Peter Oden Wingy, when he played for West Brom, there was like yeah. talk between West Brom and QPR. He drove all the way down from the Midlands to QPR. It was a solid, you know, two, three hour drive. They interviewed him live on Sky, like hanging out of the window, like Harry Redknapp. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> so Aubameyang went to Spain. He went to Barcelona with no agree no agreement in the deal between Arsenal and Barca. 
Then when he found that out, he had to come home and ask them, what, what, what were you doing? Why? He went, oh, I was on a family holiday. What, for three <laughs> hours in Spain? Yeah, you know, I, I have the money. I just like to go to Spain for a couple of hours. Speaking of West Brom, I know this isn't the Premier League. It's just come up and flashed up. Uh, they've sat their head coach. So there's nothing like Way, not breaking news. <laughs> there's nothing like not backing a manager in a transfer window because you're going to sack him. So that, that probably argues that because they got Andy Carroll on a free transfer. Anyway, <laughs> I'm taking a massive tangent. I was about to say, because I want to talk about two more guys. And one of them is very dear to you. Oh, don't. This is horrible. Well, we'll leave him for last then. So, because the, the other one, Vaud Vichos, had the best transfer reveal by a single club that I've ever seen. Burnley Media, hats off. What a, what a transfer video. What a video. We're all Burnley fans now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Just because of that. I mean, what, what is he? Is he 6'7"? Six, 6'6". Six, six. Six six, right? So what is he? Are you six seven? I'm not quite six seven, but I'm uh, so for reference, he's just about as tall as you then. Yeah. Okay, cool. I've I've got I've got height references now. There you go. To put videos of him screaming over the T-Rex noise from Jurassic Park is fantastic. I love it and I wish more teams had done it. Every time you get like a behemoth of a player, like Liverpool should have done the same with Van Dyke. Like every time you get a behemoth water. of a player, you have to reference it like a Godzilla or King Kong or uh, or T-Rex from Jurassic Park. They should do that all the time. Or as Kevin would say from The Office, all of the times. All of the times. I have I, no patience for stupidity. Honestly, when does it end with you people? But he's not just an announcement video because I'd argue he's probably going to be better for Burnley than Chris Wood. I'm sorry. If he's not better for Burnley than Chris Wood, then there's something seriously wrong there. Because the guy, I mean, he's bagged between 15 and 20 goals the last three Bundesliga uh, seasons, discounting the current one. But the current one, you know, Wolfsburg have just been crap anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, it's not, we can't, that's sort of like the anomaly because he's not getting the same service he has been in the previous three seasons, but he's more than just a big man up front. He's actually got some technique to him. I'm not, saying, Chris say, Wood, not... I'm not saying that, you know, he doesn't. Chris Wood doesn't have any technique, but there's a bit more finesse about, about Veracruz. Yeah. And if I hear yeah. one more person on English TV call him Wout, I'm going oh. to cry. <laughs> This is Timo <laughs> Werner all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> God, that is going to give my ears cancer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Burnley have agreed a deal with Wolfsburg to sign Wout Weghorst. You called them Wolfsburg. <laughs> you already know it's not a double you sound. <laughs> you know when your brain itches? Yeah. I had to turn the TV off. <laughs> Billy's brain imploded because I was going to get an aneurysm. <laughs> Jesus, uh, it's a big loss for for Wolfsburg, though. Yeah, but they but look who they replaced him with. Cue Billy's tears of sadness. 
I actually want to cry. He predicted the transfer back in 20, what was it? 20? 2020, summer 2020. He predicted it. Max Kruse to Union Berlin. And not two weeks later, Kruse was on his way to Union. And since then, Billy has posters of Kruse up in his bedroom. That may or may not be a Kruse-themed bedspread. Oh, very nice. And Kruse's face on a pillow, right? Out, like a full body pillow. Yeah. You, you cuddle him at night. I do. Sometimes he makes, me feel, he makes me feel safe and secure. Okay, there you go. What <laughs> is going on? <laughs> you have a little makeout session as well? Oh, <laughs> the may or may not. No, no, let's move past this. <laughs> Everyone grieves in different way, guys. It's fine. <laughs> Let me have my moment. But he's gone oh. back to Wolfsburg. And that's the best part. He's going back. It's not like a new thing. He already was at Wolfsburg 2015. And he was part of that Wolfsburg team who actually managed to terrorize Bayern. Which, you know, doesn't happen that often. No. And I, I saw all these like people was like, why, you know, Union Berlin uh, are going, pushing for Europe. Wolfsburg are, you know... Yeah. in need of falling into a relegation fight. And then you find out how much he's on. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> and like, all yeah, of a sudden, okay. everything makes sense. Everything. Fair enough. I'd probably have done the same. Here's the thing, right? It's just like, he could have been such a cult hero at Union Berlin. And arguably now, Union without Max Kruse. You know, how much, I, arguably, he, he has also been missing for them a couple of times due to injury, so they know how to cope without it. But I still say he was an integral part, an integral part of the team and an integral part in the team staying up in the Bundesliga and now reaching the heights that they have. So I th- I'd say, like, the president was, the president of Union was a lot nicer about Kuzi leaving than... Uh, Fiorentina was about Vlahovic leaving, if we're being honest. Um, and he was like, yeah, I mean, I don't exactly understand why he's leaving when we're at, you know, the heights that this club has never even reached before. And he could have been part of something special. But if he wants to leave, we have to accept it. So, you know, he's, he's made his peace with it, put it that way. But yeah, at the end of the day, you see how much he's on. It's, it becomes very, very apparent why that transfer came about. And for Wolfsburg, it makes perfect sense. They need to replace Wout Weghorst. Uh, they have the money because, you know, everyone knows they're backed by none other, than, none other than Volkswagen themselves. And they can. Well, <laughs> it's not, just, not just that. I think they've, uh, they've also signed uh, Jonas Wind. Yeah. From FC Copenhagen. And to be fair, 22. He's 6'3. He's you need some, even he looks some a guidance. Bit like Valt Verkost. Well, see, that's just a rebound. I, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a match made in heaven, but you know, he, he even looks. I mean, just look. That's what I'm saying. He's a, it's not a match made in heaven, but it's a rebound because they just want someone who can fill the Valt Verkost void. Moreover, the, someone who can fill the six foot six. Striker void, regardless of talent. They just need someone who looks like him. 
I think it, it, I want it to work out because I like Wolfsburg. Really? Yeah. Uh, for me, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg, Hoffenheim, and Leverkusen are all in the same uh, pool because they're all backed by some massive corporation. And in Germany, we call them Werksklubs, which basically translates to uh, factory clubs, which at the end, of the end of the day, you can't really deny because Leverkusen is basically built around Bayer. Uh, Wolfsburg is a city that literally was created, that was more or less created for Volkswagen. And Hoffenheim, SAP. Fair enough. That's why I, I like those clubs. They don't generate a lot of hate for me. I'm just kind of like, well, how can you be a fan of such a club that basically, you know, they have their history down to a factory? Oh, so not in, not in the sense that Leipzig, Harbour. So no, because Le- here's the thing, right? Leipzig, Leipzig is just really maddening because you see like with Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg and such, you at least have clubs that have taken some time to rise, rise to the heights that they have done. And, you know, Leverkusen are almost not a factory club anymore in the sense that they actually have a bit of history about them. You know, they were in the Champions League final 2002. You have cult heroes like Michael Ballack coming from Leverkusen and such. Diego so from Wolfsburg. Stefan Kiesling. Come oh, on. What a man. What a guy. There you go. And th- that's that's what I mean. So, you know, Leverkusen always have like a little bit more of a cult status than not. But, you know, Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim is kind of like, eh, eh. And then Leipzig are just maddening for everyone in Germany because they, in the span of 10 years, have managed to go, or, or th- not even 10 years, if we're being honest. It took them seven years to get to the top of the Bundesliga from fifth division you know that that's that's what maddens so many so many people in germany and in all honesty i was a little bit like eh, that's not the greatest way to get to success but at the end of the day leipzig at one point were definitely one of the only clubs in germany willing to actually try and get to the to the heights that that bayern want that bayern are at and they were like yeah we want to at some point win the bundesliga as well and they were on such a good on such a good path until you know the inevitable collapse of 2022 or 2021 sorry mm. but that's all news for another time yeah it's it's an interesting topic for for another time i think looking at the silence of Wolfsburg, obviously jonas vin goes in instead of verkost and max cruz probably Asta Vranks or Gianluca Waldschmidt. Yeah. You know, it's not really worked out for, I'd argue, either. I'd say Weitschmidt needs, still needs a bit of time or he still could become something, but yeah. The the last one before we go, and I'm so happy I don't have to hear it anymore, <laughs> is uh, your friend of mine, Adama Traoré. You don't have to complain about uh, another pace merchant in the Premier League. You just have to complain about him when someone uses Barcelona when they play against you on FIFA. No, it's fine because Barcelona's attacking lineup is almost the same as Middlesbrough's from like 2017. So, Oh, I saw that as well. That was such a great post. Braithwaite. Braithwaite. 
absolute joke of a club. I put on the uh, on the post, and I I was worried that I was being a bit too harsh, but I I don't care. Um, <laughs> the, the Premier League says goodbye to one of the most overrated players it's ever seen: muscles, baby oil, and no end product. And Which I is what people. That. I'm pretty sure the comment. Ex- the, those were the commentators' exact words when he started gaining hype for Wolves. Well, it's like that. Oh, how do you defend against Adama Traore? You show him down. Are you showing down the byline? And then when he gets wait, to the touchline, you wait for the ball to go out of play, and then you, re- you you pick up your starting position from a goal kick, and it's like rinse, repeat, and continue. Yeah. Obviously, like everyone in football, there's the odd moment, like his goal against Man City or something like that. But yeah, at the, the end sign, of the day, it's the sign of a club in such a downward spiral that they're re-signing and a less than average player they used to have. This isn't like United re-signing Pogba after he became so good after he left because he was already good when he left. Yeah. You know, Traore struggled at Villa, Borough. I'd argue he struggled at Wolves whilst he was playing at right wing back, which is the reason he didn't go to Spurs. Well, I'm sorry, but he's not a right wing back. That's just playing him out of position. That's unfair. But there we go. So there you have it. That is our thoughts on some of the biggest and weirdest transfers of the January transfer window. Add in some weird ass transfer clauses as well. But yeah, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also make sure to check out our previous episodes on Facebook. Also make sure to check out our previous episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And also keep an eye on those channels every week for our weekly episodes. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.